0: Welcome to the Benefits Compliance Podcast. My name is Beth Allen, and I'm here with my colleague, Patrick Myers, who is making his podcast debut. We work with the Benefits Compliance Department of NFP, and as most of you are probably aware on this podcast, we break down employee benefits related topics that affect employers. Today, we're going to discuss the coronavirus and how it affects employee benefits. Um, Keep in mind that things are really rapidly evolving, and so we may have additional guidance that could come out today or tomorrow, but our team is going to be putting out additional information or resources on that as it comes available. For right now, Patrick and I are going to kind of talk about guidance as it is in place right now. So Patrick, could you start off by telling us a bit about this virus?
1: Thank you, Beth. So the version of the coronavirus that everyone is dealing with right now is COVID-19. It is a contagious respiratory illness that typically causes fever, coughing, and shortness of breath, but it may lead to serious complications like pneumonia, organ failure, and death. The World Health Organization recently characterized COVID-19 as a pandemic or a global outbreak, and it has the potential to affect employees anywhere in the world.
0: Yeah, so clearly employers want their employees to remain healthy and to take care of themselves in the face of this virus. As a result, many of them have questions about their health plan coverage and how it can be leveraged to provide diagnosis and treatment. What do we know so far about insurance coverage for COVID-19 services?
1: Well, Beth, many employers and insurance carriers are offering to cover the cost of testing and treatment as part of the health care plans they provide their employees. And fortunately, the federal government has been relatively quick to provide support to employers and carriers by designating such testing and treatment as essential health benefits. And as you know, under the law, essential health benefits must be provided without annual or lifetime limits. In addition, the federal government and many states have mandated or suggested that insurance carriers provide testing for and treatment of COVID-19 without the cost sharing. And these recommendations extend to any immunization that is formulated to prevent the virus when one becomes available.
0: I think that that's good news for employees who participate in traditional group health plans um, that are worried about paying for the testing and the treatment. But what about high-deductible health plans and the health savings accounts that often go with them? As we all know, regulations state that people who participate in high-deductible health plans lose their eligibility for HSAs if they receive first-dollar coverage for any health care that is not preventive services wouldn't the prohibition on cost sharing make employees ineligible for health savings account if they receive free COVID-19 testing or treatment?
1: Well, the good news here is that the IRS has weighed in and stated that people who participate in high deductible health plans will not lose HSA eligibility solely because they receive COVID-19 treatment or testing without cost sharing. In addition, any COVID-19 vaccination that is formulated will be considered preventative health care like other vaccinations.
0: That's definitely a relief. Um, it really seems clear that the federal government and the states and insurers are trying to remove any barriers to individuals getting tested if necessary. Now, if an employer learns that an employee tested positive for the virus, can they tell other employees in order to help prevent or slow down its spread?
1: Well, HIPAA still applies and it limits how much and when this kind of information can be shared. While there are exceptions to the rules that would allow for the employer to notify the government or to notify those who may be at risk, The employer should be careful to comply with HIPAA's rules and only share the minimum information necessary to mitigate the risk to others. So before an employer shares information about an employee's diagnosis or possible exposure to coronavirus with any entity, they should consult with legal counsel to ensure that they are in compliance with their HIPAA obligations.
0: That is good to know and remember. It's always a point that HIPAA privacy rules are meant to protect the privacy of those that deal with any illness or disease. So while the virus is an emergency, that doesn't necessarily mean that employers have carte blanche to share PHI, and they need to be mindful of that. Switching topics a bit, let's talk about leave. What exactly are an employer's options when it comes to providing leave to employees who have COVID-19 or who have family members with the virus?
1: Well, if FEMLA applies to the employer, then FEMLA would allow for leave to address the virus. FEMLA would apply to those employees who qualify for it if they are either ill themselves or must take time to tend to a family member who is ill. Under FEMLA, benefits would continue on the same terms as before the employee took the leave for the duration of the FEMLA leave, usually up to 12 weeks in a 12-month period. Now, that leave may extend for a longer period in some states.
0: Now, Patrick is cool, so he's calling what most of us probably call FMLA FEMLA, But we'll go with that. What if the employer chooses to furlough employees who aren't diagnosed as a precaution, or if the employee doesn't actually qualify for FMLA?
1: The situation becomes a bit more complicated if FMLA is not in the picture. (laughs) How long any affected employee's benefits must be continued while on leave will vary based upon the employer's size, whether they are subject to the employer mandate, whether they use the monthly or look-back measurement methods, what their plan document says, what any employment contracts say, what is outlined in their section 125 plan document as a qualifying event, and how long the leave lasts. The core concept here is eligibility. Will the leave cause the employee to lose eligibility for benefits, and so lose those benefits, or can the benefits be extended?
0: Uh, So this makes it hard because it's not like we just have a concrete answer if an employer were to call us and say, must I continue coverage for my employees while they're out on this leave? So let's try to break it down just a little bit more. What would ERISA require?
1: Now ERISA requires that the benefit plan maintained by an employer be in writing. So the employer must first need to look at the plan document and review the plan's terms of eligibility. If they have had this issue before, they may have previously put language in the plan document about furloughs or leaves of absence and continued coverage. If there are employment contracts in place, they might want to review those as well to see if there are any special provisions. This goes for all benefit offerings, medical, dental, vision, life, disability, you name it. If there are no special terms, then it just comes down to regular role eligibility, which for medical, dental, and vision probably says something like employees are eligible if they normally work X hours per week or are determined to be full time. Or the eligibility might state that an employee becomes ineligible if they are not actively at work for a certain number of days. Either way, as soon as the employee no longer meets the terms of eligibility, coverage would be terminated and COBRA may be offered.
0: So we've talked about ERISA and we've talked about FMLA, but how does the employer mandate affect the benefits while an employee is on leave to possibly deal with this virus?
1: Well, if the employer is an applicable large employer under the employer mandate, then they need to consider the employer mandate rules for medical coverage as well. If they are using the monthly measurement method, then an employee who drops down to less than full-time status would no longer be entitled to an offer of coverage and could be terminated at the end of the month with COBRA offered for reduction of hours. Now, if they're, looking, if they're using the look-back measurement method and the employee was one who was previously determined to be full-time in a measurement period, then the employee would remain eligible through the end of the stability period regardless of the number of hours they work. If the employee was offered coverage continuously from the date of hire, then the employee would remain eligible for the next three months and could only be terminated if they averaged less than 30 hours per week for that three months.
0: So I'm sure at this point everyone's head is spinning, Um, but I think that the kind of the point of this is just to point out that this is not going to be a one-size-fits-all thing. Employers are really going to have to look to their plan documents and even maybe talk to their plan providers and advisors to determine what's going to be required as far as continued treatment. Now, if the employee is responsible for paying some or all of the premiums for the benefit, how would they actually pay for those premiums while they're on leave?
1: Well, usually employee contributions are deducted from the employee's paycheck. And if the employee continues to be eligible under the plan, the employer needs to indicate how they expect to receive the employee premium contributions when the employee is out on leave and may not have a paycheck from which to make deductions. Generally, the rules for FMLA premium payments can be relied upon in this situation. The employer could choose to have employees pay for the coverage during the break, or they could permit employees to pay upon their return from leave. Ultimately, the employer should provide employees with written notice of the payment method, due date, and consequences for non-payment of premiums.
0: So we've talked about FMLA and we've talked about ERISA and the employer mandate and even how to pay for the premiums, But would the IRS regulations consider any furlough or leave period a qualifying event that would allow employees to drop their coverage if they wanted to?
1: Well, it's possible that this would be a qualifying event, but it would depend on the facts and circumstances. Let's say that an employee continues to be eligible for coverage under the terms of the plan or employer mandate rules, but wants to drop drop coverage because of not being paid. This would seem to be allowed since there is a qualifying event permitting employees to drop coverage based on an unpaid leave of absence if the Section 125 cafeteria plan document provides that such employees lose eligibility under the cafeteria plan.
0: I really feel like this is a whole lot to consider. And I know that employers that are dealing with it have so many questions and we're trying our best to provide what guidance we have, but it really is a lot. So, now that we've kind of talked about people continuing coverage, I think we also have to consider what happens when the employee loses coverage completely. Wouldn't COBRA come up then?
1: Well, a COBRA offer may be in order. And to be COBRA eligible, you've got to remember the employee must experience both a COBRA trigger event, triggering event, which in the leave situation could be like a reduction in hours and a loss of eligibility for coverage. Although the employee would be experiencing a reduction in hours, albeit temporarily, if the employee would continue to be eligible for coverage, they would not lose eligibility for coverage. So COBRA would not need to be offered if coverage continues. On the other hand, if the leave is longer than anticipated, this could cause a loss of eligibility, and COBRA would need to be offered when the employee's coverage is terminated. This also reinforces the fact that the employer needs to clearly outline eligibility terms in the plan document.
0: Okay, Patrick. So, much of what we've discussed today really just involves applying our current regulations to these unusual times. Has the federal government done anything to amend these regulations in order to provide employers with better tools to adapt their benefits in response to the outbreak?
1: Congress is working on legislation that would provide sick leave, among other things, as we speak. Now, I understand the bill has passed the House, but as of the moment we are recording this podcast, the Senate has not done anything with it yet. It pays to keep an eye on this, though, as it is crazy time and things can change on a moment's notice.
0: Yeah, I think we've all seen that in the last several days and even hours that things are just really rapidly evolving. And like I said, I know that employers have a lot of questions. I'm sure that our team will continue to look into those things and provide additional resources, like I said, as we do actually get guidance from the federal government. Now, I'll also take this point to point out that in addition to benefit concerns, we know that a lot of you have employment law issues or questions as well. In that regard, employers really should keep in mind, for instance, that federal law does prohibit employers from discriminating based on race, color, sex, national origin, religion, age, disability, or veteran status. So an employer is going to have to consider whether, before they make decisions that what they're doing could be perceived as discrimination towards employees with disabilities if they don't proceed with caution, essentially. So with that in mind, employers are also going to want to reach out to their employment law counsel, you know, as they're making those decisions.
1: That's right. Employers should consult with their outside counsel before implementing any particular plan to make sure it doesn't run afoul of employment, tax, or other regulation.
0: I definitely agree. So this is the end of our podcast. And as I mentioned, we know that this is a situation that is really rapidly evolving and that a lot of you have questions about. Stay tuned for additional information from our team or even possibly an additional podcast if it's warranted, if we receive legislation that kind of changes some of the things that me and Patrick talked about today. With that said, Patrick, thanks for making your debut on the podcast and for discussing the coronavirus and employee benefits compliance today. On that note, thank you all for listening, and that's a wrap.
1: Keep well, everyone.